Texas back in 05. A million dollars all on one ride. JW tied me in. Said, make sure you get him right. This is what you've been waiting for all these years. Just before I nodded, he hollered in my ear. Whatever you do, don't let go. It's time to be a cowboy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 16 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey Y'all Southern Iced Tea, the official alcohol sponsor of the show. As well, our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler. Long live Cowboys. Fellas, good to have you back. Everybody, we're happy to, to have you back tuned into the NFP podcast. I'm going to start by introducing our crew today. Mr. Jason Davidson, how's things going? Great. Great. Number 16, eh? 16, I'm going to start. I'm going to start telling you most famous hockey player on our number moving forward. So 16. <laughs> Red Hall, Red Hall. Hey, I was just going to say, I know who the most famous number 16 of the Virtuals Flyers was. This guy. Scotty Bird. There's a good <laughs> intro for him right there. The Virtual Bur- Flyers. Yeah, uh, Virtual Flyers. How's it going, fellas? Good to see you again. You too, you too. What did you guys get up to uh, in the past week? Well, I, uh, Braden went to a little uh, bullfighting school. Um, it wasn't really a school. I just took him out to fight some steers and some some bulls and stuff. And man, it was, it's hard to believe pretty surreal. 14 years ago, he's asked me to take the tape off my ankles in some dressing room somewhere. And now he's out there doing it himself and did a pretty good job. So good start anyways. Yeah. Was that up at Sandylands? Yes, it was. Yeah. It was, uh, I uh, sponsored the masks for them over there. One all weekend. Yeah. Did you? Good, good. Um, You know, when we were talking about bullfighters two weeks ago, on episode 14, I think it was, or whatever, 13, Jesse's episode. We never mentioned Dave's name. Yeah. Dave was right there when we were going. Yeah. Uh, there's there's been so many over the years, right? It's it's hard to to think yeah. of everybody in, in one shot. And then after we do a podcast like that, it's when your memory bank starts hitting again and you think of this guy, that guy. And well, and, and you know, just spending with. spending the weekend with Davies. I mean, he's such a big Scotchman. He's so I forget how like strong that guy is you know um, oh god there, there Did was you more... say scott scotchman or scotsman scott scotsman did i say scotchman scottish uh, scotchman drink some scotch too so i think either one fits i yeah. think he does too he's a scotchman well i'll i'll quote dave he said you know what scott i i know how to keep COVID away he goes every night i have a stiff shot of uh of scotch uh and he looked at me and he goes, and I mean stiff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel him. I feel about that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Oh, uh, good. We, go? uh, Do you have some good kids over there? Some good talent? Well, you know what? It was uh, it was a steer riding school Friday and Saturday morning with Zane and uh, Zane Lambert and Aaron Roy. And then Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon, just to keep the numbers down, they flipped over to bull riding. And then all day Sunday had bull riding as well. It was more that school. 
a um, couple of young guys came up and just fought bulls along with Braden, uh, kind of just, you know, filling in and helping out a little bit. So there technically was no bullfighting school just because the numbers, you have to keep the numbers down. So right. um, at least they were able to do good. something. Yeah. At least they were able to get something going. Yeah. You know what? And some, some good young steer riding kids, which is good to see they're coming up, making their way. So uh, it was fun. It was really good. Good. You know, <laughs> anything's fun when you get to see some people. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Truth. I enjoyed it. Yep. Jason, what'd you get up to? Well, it's been Groundhog's Day here, man, just to the lake. Chilling. But we had a little more. It was pretty nice again, you know, ice fishing. We bucked a lot of bulls uh, at my place. Good friend Logan Cadlett came up with, with some of his bulls. Now that we can have a few more people, a few more numbers around, we can kind of do some more stuff like that. So brother Bo came up, Bo Byrne and, and Logan Cadlett, and we, we went through uh, – I got a bunch of uh, Evil Genius calves, a bull that we bought from Don Kish a few years ago. We didn't end up having the career that that we wanted him to have, but luckily his uh, his bucking style and his uh, abilities of his up and down abilities uh, went into his calves. So uh, it was the third trip on some of these calves. There's about 20 of them, and uh, definitely the best best calf crop that, that we've had at Flying Four Bucking Bull. So it was an exciting weekend that way. Just dummy bucking everything. Yeah, just dummy buck. Yeah, there's numbers hey, aren't twos. big enough to uh, twos. Yeah, they'll be coming twos. So this is their maturity year for for all these for these bulls that we bucked this weekend. So hopefully, when any maturities planned that you guys know of, like what's happening there with PBR Canada, ABBI or ABBI Canada? It's still going. It's still it's still rolling. It's there hasn't been a bunch of events announced for this year yet. Everybody's just kind of the same as us with with the PBR events of. Well, what the fuck we're supposed to do or what we can do where we can go and, and number wise but uh, lots of them went to virtual futurities last year which uh which i enjoyed you could just stay at your own house and um do it do it over video and, and your judges it's all over the internet so that's a good way to go about it but i know there's guys uh planning to have have futurities like we like we normally have uh, as well as us up here wanting to do some maturities when I when I do some of the bull rides and stuff like that. So there's talks, you know, within uh, with Nance and Vold and uh, Breezes and Scories and you know everybody uh, in the industry. Uh, when when we can start going again, we're going to get going. So looking forward to for those dates to happen again. Any mean young ones? Oh fuck yeah, they're all <laughs> uh, some mean ones. Um, but you know when you're dummy and I'm the flank, everything comes off. So there's there's yeah. no no bullfighting need that way. It's mostly just yeah. smash as many sneaky weasels as you can and 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 see how hard they buck. <laughs> so the PBR was underway again last weekend. We were in uh, Glendale, Arizona. Finished up the event in Del Rio, Texas, uh, the first day. Keyshawn Whitehorse ended up taking that his first ever event win. The actual Glendale event that went Saturday, Sunday, Kaike Pacheco takes. And that was uh, Kaike's 16th win on the Premier Series Tour. So really, really good bull riding. Lots of crazy shit. Yeah, 16. Yeah, 16 events. 16th pod, 16th win. Yeah, it's pretty good. And Keyshawn Whitehorse's first ever one. And the the first ever win on that tour is, is something that you can't never forget that's that's a huge accomplishment so congratulations to Keyshawn for for getting that done he's won a lot of money and had had a good finals last year but uh finally got that monkey up his back for his first win so good for Keyshawn Mm -hmm. did they wreck some guys yeah man they fucking were (laughs) wiping guys out left and right Lockwood you guys I don't know if you've seen wow Lockwood oh yeah yeah Corey that way better than 
Yeah, he came out of that way better than I thought he was going to. That was, uh, boy, when them bulls bring you like that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so the video's online for everybody that, that wants to, to watch. He uh, brought him from the from the back door and uh, hit heads again. And luckily, you know, as we've talked before, Jess is just coming back from a broken jaw. So to get smashed in the face like that and, and to get knocked unconscious, you'd, you'd think that maybe something happened in there again. But uh, supposedly he was good. He broke his arm, I think, in the wreck as well. He had a cast on for the rest of the weekend. So I uh, came back and rode again. Ended up riding Canadian Mist, one of our bulls that originated in Canada in the short <laughs> round and ends up, uh, I think, second in the event. So, yeah, it's kind of fucked up, though. That's what I was going to ask you guys your opinion on things of how that, how, like, there's new concussion protocols and there's a lot of stuff that goes into these events now and, and they, they're tested through and through. I know myself, whenever I would get knocked out the first day or, or even just take a hit that I knew um, maybe dazed me a little bit, I wouldn't even show up the next day to, to do the, the test, you know, I might've been able to pass it in a sense, but I just knew that it, it was going to affect me. And I figured it was going to affect me worse in the long run. So I never wanted to fuck with my head. That's post typos one passing away before that. Obviously none of us really gave a shit about it. We just rolled, but um, I just, it, it just blows my mind when you see somebody get totally knocked out cold in the arena. And uh, the next day at that highest level, they're riding again. You know, it's nothing against sports med. It's the tests and, and concussions are different for everybody else. Uh, it's just crazy to me to see that still this day. You wouldn't see that. In any well, I think you said it and I'm not a doctor, but um, you know, how many previous hits to the head have you had? Um, you know, because I believe that makes a difference. You know, if, you know, if you've suffered a number of concussions, um, I don't know. I, it's a touchy one for me. Yeah. He was, he was, uh, when he, when he, when he did hit the ground, he didn't lay there a long time. Like, uh, he did try to, he laid there long enough. He could have got his ass. Oh, yeah. He was fucking, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who pulled him away, but he never really Frank, came around until he got pulled out of the, was it Frank? Yeah. yeah. That bull was, you know, he didn't let up and he was coming from the top rope coming down mm-hmm. to that bull bucked. Yeah, fired. Yeah. What was that, Tanner? Coriolis effect. Coriolis effect of uh, Jeremy Walker's, and uh, he—I'm probably saying that wrong. I don't know. I'll have to ask him if I fucked that name up. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, really good bull. It's been good all year. Uh, He's one that it looks like they should ride, but he does that to to everybody. He's bucked JB off a bunch of times. Uh, He's obviously got something to him that that doesn't feel good because I don't think he's been rode yet. And uh, actually moved himself up to, I think, number four in the in the title for Bull of the World this year after that. I think they marked him 46 and brought him back for the short round, and he was a 45 again, so so one to, to keep an eye on for the rest of the year. He's got a fairly large jump out of there. Uh, a high Yeah, right? and felt I, that. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, I think he leaves harder than your average bear with a long jump and a sudden stop. So, yeah. Um, I think that could have a lot to do with it. Yep. It was good to see some other Canadian bulls in there as well. The the guy that was coming into the final round in number one position, Kyler Oliver, a young guy who's another one to watch out for this year. He jumps out there, first pick in the draft, and picks Swagger. Uh, came from, from Nansen Vold as well. And rode him right to 7.31 seconds to win that whole event. Bucked him off right at the horn, but... Uh, oh, what a story that would have been. Yep, yeah, but pretty cool to to see that bull down there. And, and you know, all, all those Canadian bulls, you're always proud when you see them in the, 
in the short round. So uh, he's going to be a kid to to watch out for as well. Jesse uh, Petrie. I probably fucked that name up as well too. Another young guy though. He was he was hurt on the weekend, punctured lung, li- liver, some some broken ribs and stuff. So we're thinking about him and uh, hoping he heals up here soon and comes back because he's another another really good young hotshot kid that I think is going to have a good future in in the PBR. I've seen some footage of even the uh, a Brazilian uh, bullfighter got the old step on your foot oh! and stretch you and run you down. Oh, Lucas Teodoro. The uh, NFP podcast Instagram page. Tanner got it up there. Yeah, oh. yeah. Fuck, that I'm... sucks. You guys know about that. You guys know about that front foot, that paw sticks oh. up mm. fucking foot and oh. And, and when you get up after that, you know, it's your it's your foot that hurts the most. But about an hour and a half later, it's later, it's that goddamn raspberry from that horn that goes up your armpit oh, as yeah. he's running you down that hurts stings the most. The world finals last year. Uh, same thing. It's uh, talking smack of Chad Burgers. He's an older bull and he's getting smarter too as he's getting older. Yeah. And, uh, same thing, kind of pushed about in front of him and run the length of him at the at the world finals. So Lucas and, and talking smack have a history together. Hopefully it gets a little better because he's a big, yeah. big sucker. That was uh, close. Yeah, that was, yeah. Right. At least he kept going. Like if he wanted to camp, he yeah. would have pitched a tent. When we get your dad on here, Tanner, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up the time I was getting hooked by one of his Mexicans at Agribition one year. I don't know if you were working that one, Scott, or not. No, I wouldn't. Um, this would have been in the, no, you might not even, this has been early, like 97 ish, 98. And that I was getting hooked for so long. I actually had a thought process in my head to look up and ask Ryan if he's going to get him off. <laughs> he was just camped, but he was camped on my lower body. Like in my leg, I couldn't, every time I move and your instincts to kick him, kind of, you know, you're kicking at him to try and push away. Well, and that was just kind of making him a little bit more angry. And uh, yeah, he didn't want to leave. He was trying yeah. to eat the toes. Didn't he? Wasn't that the one that untied when you got up to go away, your cleats were untied or was that a different one? No, no, no. That was at the Canadian Finals Rodeo. And I nodded, and that was the best I did. The whole 40 <laughs> seconds. It was at the bottom of my nod. I was still on my feet. I got a picture, and my baggies are wiped off. He's got my shirt ripped open. My uh, The original chest protector is about to come off, and my shoes untied. So I, I, I always <laughs> sit on that one. I took such a good hooking from that prick. He, Untied my shoes. That's oh, not bad. Man. That'll make you want to drink some Hey All Southern Iced Teas. Hey All Southern Iced Teas. Our tea is always served iced and hard. This vodka-based iced tea is brewed with genuine black tea and lightly sweetened. Enjoy a Hey All Southern Iced Tea while taking in the main bull riding event or sipping a cold one on the porch. Hey All Southern Iced Teas, the official refreshment beverage of the NFP podcast. It's kind of like when you're a bull rider as well and you and you get thrown off underneath them and you'll see a guy and he won't be able to get up and it you know it looks fucking dumb especially me i was a tall guy and i couldn't move fast anyway but when those bulls stand on your shaps and you're just stuck and if they're even maybe not even super mean and they just don't know what to do or where to go oh yeah it was just a heavily danger zone for lucas and no one will ever, unless they've been in that situation, will realize how loud it is under there. There is so much shit going on. You got a bell, <laughs> you got dirt, you got people yelling. You, it is loud. Not bouncing off your thread sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I always, oh, yeah. I always said it was uh, 
you can't describe it until you've been in that position, but it's just loud, 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 loud. Lots of shit going on. Uh, How about yeah. the fans in yep. Glendale? Fans in the Got stands. Yeah, that's what we need to see. More yeah. Three weeks away, um, PBR announced. Uh, where are we going? Sioux Falls, full crowd. Yep. Nice. So yep. April Sorry. 9th and the 11th. 9th to the 11th. Looking forward to that. I hope they fill it up. Full crowd. UFC announced too they, their next event in Florida is going to be full crowd yep. as well. Yep. So seems like we're we're on the trend and uh, going in the right direction. Well, the U.S. is on the trend. Yeah. Well, hopefully we follow. All, all our all our leader just said yesterday that there's not even a conversation about open the border even. Yeah. So, yeah. I know the National Hockey League ahead of the trade deadline. They're trying to get an exemption for there'll be no trades from Canada from Canadian teams to U.S. teams. You're looking no. at a 14 day quarantine. Who who's going to do that? Yeah. yeah, maybe McDavid or Drysaddle would draw that kind of attention. Matthews, Marner, something like that, but. You, you're not going to put somebody on the show. A lot of your season days, this year. You're gonna miss, yep. Yeah, you're going to miss six games. And do you so, honestly do you honestly think, Jason, they will give them the exemption? Like, I I, I don't know. I do. Like, I mean, how can they really if if they don't want well, to? Without, without taking a bunch of political heat. Right. So, right. right. Um, yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I, I don't know. Speaking of your hockey, did you see the the Battle of Alberta the other day? Was was a heated match, few fights. Once again, I'm probably gonna fuck this name up, but Ujarkara. Did you see his his knockout? Ujarkara. That's close. Fuck. Yeah, my bad. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I took a good one right on the lips, eh? Oh yeah, yeah. right on the lips. Big tough guy as well, too. So yeah, that was you know not like it was somebody. you know, picking on a young guy or something like that, or somebody who's never been in a fight before. He he fights all the time, so that was a Richie got him there and t- definitely took the win in that one. Yeah, uh, you yeah. what new coaching change there in Calgary? Went right back to the well with a Sutter. Um, he's three and zero, and I think Richie's going to be one of his favorite guys. So I don't think Richie's going to be back on the taxi squad anytime soon if he keeps playing like that. He's going to be a fixture for. For Daryl Sutter on that, uh, in that bottom six. Do you would you call that would you call that coaching move back to the basics, kind of back to hockey, back to just getting it gritting it out and getting it done, or what would you say? Well, accountability. That? He won two Stanley Cups in L.A. with a very heavy, big team. Um, when I say heavy, like you know, height and weight, they were one of the biggest teams those couple of years, and then you saw that trend when they won the cups and that's what teams were trying to do in the off season was get bigger and heavier. And now we're, we're trending away from that. You know, the players like Braden point Goudreau, not the bigger guys teams were, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. I guess Pat Maroon won two, two cups back to back St. Louis and Tampa Bay. Um, and he's a contributor, you know, and then during the regular season, he could be a healthy scratch in any game. He really could be because he's kind of, doesn't get around the ice as quick as most of the guys, but playoff hockey is a different beast. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What about your guys? Have you had uh, uh, some of the Thunder Creek boys doing good? I seen uh, Howerlick got a goal the other day. Yeah, Howerlick got his first with the Canucks, and his that was his fourth game. Um, they had some guys hurt, so he's been moving up. He got to play, spend some time with Miller and 
Pearson on a line, which that's great for any young player to play with guys like that. Chandler's on fire. I think he's got eight points in six games or something. So he's doing what he's supposed to. Bears coming back from that injury. Uh, got an assist here in the Battle of Alberta. Um, so played actually above 20 minutes for the first time since he come back from his injury. So we'll see what happens. They had some bad luck there. Uh, Barry didn't come back. Uh, obviously, Jujar, now you're going to make me screw it up. <laughs> yeah, good game. luck. I think somebody else didn't return to the game. So, Well, I'll get into our Manscaped read. Ladies and gentlemen, support for NFP podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology development to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 that we were talking about last weekend, along mm-hmm. with the, the trimmer, the lawnmower, <laughs> also comes with the anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. <laughs> you already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And yes, your balls stink. Get 20% <laughs> off plus free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code NFP, capitalized NFP20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. It's funny like to talk about, and it's yeah. like, no people don't fucking really talk about that until you start using the shit and you start putting it on. It's like, oh, fuck, here we go. And, and here's what and I've been here's- missing. All right, Scott. So JB Mooney, he is now into his world champion exemptions. He's bucked off all his bulls here to start the year. So uh, what happens when you are a world champion is is you have your normal events for making the world finals. Every rider has those. Uh, and if you don't do good, you don't get enough points to stay in that top 35, you get cut and you go back down to the lower tour and have to work your way back up. With, right. As a world champion, you get extra events um, because you are a world champion. So Silvano Alves used those one year when, when he was on that cut line and would have been cut and then got himself back in there. So uh, really rooting for JB to, to get the job done here coming up and get back on tour where he's supposed to be. So how many world cha- uh, world champion exemptions does he get? Like how many? Five, I think, or everybody gets eight. It changes every year. But back in back when I was going, the, the guys in the top 30 got eight events, and from mm-hmm. 30th to 35th got five events. Right. Uh, and then the world champion exemptions on top of that, you know, they could there could be up to five more or something like that. So uh, it's definitely something that you never want to use, but it's good to have uh, in the back in the bank for if you ever need them, like JB's in right now. Yeah, for sure. And I he's probably thankful he's got them. I mean, like you said, no one wants to be in that position to have to to use the the uh, the extra in the in the bank, so to speak. But um, you know, we talk about it time and time again. There's the mental thing, there's a physical thing, and uh, uh, JB doesn't suffer from the mental thing, but maybe that physical thing's catching up to him a little bit. And um, I mean, I can't see him being too stressed over it. But yeah. when you when you Rolling. get down to it, when you get down to it, when you sit out at night, maybe it uh, maybe it is starting to bother him a little bit. You know, so. 
hopefully he gets through it and gets back to where he wants to be and we'll see what happens, I guess. Gets kicking ass. Yep. Which probably is a good segue into our guest today. Both very uh, similar uh, in their in their championship abilities, mm-hmm. world champions, both two-time world champions. Our guest today, the one and only Justin McBride. Man, it's 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 going to be super cool to have that guy on the pod. That guy is, uh, you know, that kind of that older generation. So when I came around, he was, you know, obviously he was somebody that you you looked up to more. And, and I only got to spend uh, one event with him actually in the locker room riding with him, but always a guy that you looked at and wanted to hear what he had to say and and just a, a true true legend and was my hero from a little kid till right through my career right always one of those guys that you just had the utmost respect for um i always just watching you know, the way he moved the way he presented himself and i mean he was so consistent and uh i'm excited too because any of these guys that we've talked to that have been at that level have such a cool mindset and um you leave these pods kind of walking with a little more pep in your step because I think number one, uh, they just make you want to be better because yeah. that's how they were for so many years. And, um, you know, whether that relates to life or riding a bull, I guess, but yeah, I'm excited to hear it. He was, uh, he was definitely a uh, one to be reckoned with on the tour for a lot of years. Yeah. A badass. One time, uh, I got a call in the middle of the night. This was probably 2007 ish when, uh, Jesse Byrne just started to go to, to those events down there and, uh, my dad woke me up at like three in the morning, four in the morning. And, uh, I was like, what? And he's like, somebody wants to talk to you, which my dad, obviously, you know this, but doesn't yeah. answer the phone at yeah. night, yeah. right? Yeah. Whatever. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, what? And I get on the phone and it's this guy and he's like, Hey, uh, Tanner, how you doing? And we have a little bit of a conversation for a while. And he's like, well, when are you coming down? When are you coming down South? Are you going to come ride with us? And I was like, well, hopefully, hopefully really soon. And I can hear Jesse like, talking in the background and a bunch of guys are obviously like at a, a hotel party and they're kind yeah. of joking around and so we have a good conversation for a little while and i'm just in awe i don't even really know i didn't know who i was talking to and i get off the phone and uh dad goes you know who that was and i was like uh ross coleman and he's like no, fucking, that was justin mcbride and i'm like oh you know like just like i was probably 12 just like oh, wow coolest moment of my life well fast forward to christmas time my gift from from my brother Jesse uh, uh, on Christmas was Justin McBride's bull riding vest. That night yeah. he gave Jesse his vest, the vest he rode big bucks in, the number one on the back from the world title from the year before. He gave that to Jesse and sent it home with him to to give to me for Christmas. And obviously it was probably too small for me then. I was always a little bit of a bigger guy than McBride. Yeah. Um, but it's you know it's on the wall at the house and something that uh, is is fucking pretty awesome that uh that uh you know most people don't ever get to have something like that so it's on the wall and it's not going anywhere that's for sure i think if you ask your brother i think he wore that vest on the plane all the way home to yeah. get like to bring it <laughs> home for you yeah uh, i remember him telling the story like i got this damn vest and i'm excited i want to get it home but the plane was so hot but he couldn't take off this vest. oh man <laughs> and then just they they wanted uh mcbride's You'll learn in this in this podcast. He guitar playing, some buck loved it. Loved playing the guitar, and they couldn't find one. I think they went to Walmart and, and bought a twenty dollar guitar. And McBride played it all night, and then uh, as as well as the vest, uh, Justin gave him that guitar, and, and they didn't have a pen or anything, so he just carved his name yeah. Justin McBride into the guitar. And Jesse brought that home on the plane with him as well. 
Now, is that at your house? Is that guitar at your house now? No, he's still got Jesse kept that one for himself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I knew yeah. I'd seen it somewhere, but yeah, it is. It's just carved in there with a knife, like, <laughs> yeah. which, which to me is even awesome. yeah, cooler. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so it'll be cool. Uh, you know, everybody sees, everybody sees Justin on the, on the CBS broadcast and you, and you see the, the really polished person that he is. And, and he is a very true professional. Um, but I think we'll get more of the the NFP podcast style out of out of McBride and his bull riding days, and and uh, show that he that he's human and and has fun as well. You know, I am excited uh, just because where my career is kind of, or as my career ended and where it's led to uh, doing these T TSN events and stuff. I'm excited to I'm excited to ask him that transition, and uh, you know, working with guys like Craig Hummer. Um, I want to see if he had the same jitters as I did the first time you ever had to work with Craig. Hummer. So yeah, it's going to be cool. Shit. It's going to be, yeah, cool. It's gonna be cool. I got to go on my honeymoon one time in Nashville. Uh, Mo Bandy brought us out to the Grand Old Opry. Me and me and my wife, Megan, uh, he was playing it and took us backstage. And McBride got to go up there and sing, uh, I think it was Bandy, the rodeo. I don't know, one of, one of uh, Mo yeah. Bandy's famous songs. McBride got to go up there and, and sing on stage. So uh, we got to hang out together behind stage at the grand old Opry one time and still one of the cooler moments of my life. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun, but moving on with that, um, some sad news that, that we do got to get into that hits home for, for me and you, Scott, the passing of our grandma, uh, Mary Byrne on uh, a week ago from today, passed away at the age of 92. And, um, just a, a just a, the first lady of the family, you know, just yeah. the, the legend, the, the one. Yeah. You know what, Tanner, I know we talked uh, not long after, after it happened and uh, we both kind of come to the conclusion that, I mean, she was the best lady. No one will ever, I mean, everybody says they have the best grandma in the world. Uh, I beg to differ. I had the best, <laughs> we had the best, but uh, you know, she was a lady. She never judged anybody. Um, she always made you feel like you were the number one grandchild, um, but never, but never picked one or the other. You know, you always were the, were the, the number one kid and she always had food on the table for you and tea in the teapot. And she loved what we did, although she would try and play it like, you know, I don't yeah. think you should be doing that, but yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. she never really, well, she not really, she never watched any of us do it live. Uh, she might take a peek on TV if that's where we ended up, but, um, she raised five kids of her own and she raised, uh, I don't know what the official number is now. Uh, lots of grandchildren and lots of great grandchildren. And, and, uh, when I say raised, she did, we were yeah, always there. Raised, yeah. Yeah. We were if, always if, yeah. If anybody doesn't know, we all grew up within basically six miles of each other and, and grandma and grandpa burn were the hub. And, um, you know, that was one of my biggest things when, when she passed was the memories of just, yeah, we were there every day, you know, yeah. just cause that's where we all worked or played or whatever. But, um, she went out in style. She was 92. She knew every one of us. Uh, she had great grandchildren. We have great, she had great grandchildren that knew her and that she knew and yeah. got to hear their. So, yeah. I mean, Hey, just a wonderful lady and got to go out with pride and dignity. And, oh man, I'm going to miss her. Yeah. I'm going to oh, miss yeah. her, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we're thinking yeah. of, uh, 
everybody in our family and uh you know it'll be it'll be one that uh shall never be replaced and one that will always be remembered so we love you grandma burn we love you with that we should skip it over to this interview with Justin McBride because I know he's going to have, have a lot to say and it's going to be very exciting for everybody to, to hear from the two-time champion of the world. So without further ado, here is our interview with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Justin McBride. Next message. Sonny Lester, it is Justin McBride. We're down here in room 928 playing guitars. Our guest today has 32 event wins on the PBR's Premier Tour. The first man to pass the $5 million mark in earnings, a member of the Bull Riding Hall of Fame, as well as a PBR Ring of Honor inductee. The two-time champion of the world, Justin McBride. McBride, how you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm good, man. Good to have you on the show. Glad you could join us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. You were out in uh, Glendale last weekend. Are you back from there now, or where are you at right now? Yep, I'm back home. Uh, yeah, I was in Glendale all last weekend. Um, weather was good. It was it was nice. Day. It's been colder than hell in Texas. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Not Canada cold, <laughs> but too cold for Texas. It wasn't supposed to be that cold there. We had about two weeks of it. So weather was good in Arizona. Bulls bucked hard. Guys rode pretty good. Um, a lot of them got pretty banged up, but uh, part of it when they bucked that hard, I think. Yeah, no shit. That happens. Hey, uh, what about the the whole scene around there right now with the, with COVID and everything? It seems to be like things are getting a little bit back to normal. Uh, not as much regulations starting to get some fans in the stands again you guys were back inside this weekend how's that all looking yeah it uh it was good it was good to be back inside um but at the same time it was good to be outside too um yeah. that was fun like because for the past 20 years i've been inside you know and uh so it was fun to do those events outside and uh but it's good to get back inside it just feels like it feels normal again you know being in a being in a regular coliseum being inside um, there wasn't, I think it was like 50% of capacity that they would let in. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't full, like it would have been great if you could stack people in there, but, uh, yeah. those 50% of the fans that were in there, you could tell they were ready for it too. Um, right. they were engaged, they were fired up the whole time. So it was a good feeling. I think the guys appreciated it too, being back to some sort of normal. Justin, do you feel when, when you're, you know, you touched on it was good to be outside, but getting back to Glendale and inside, do you feel that the PBR's well-oiled machine of a production group is bang on when they get back under a roof and there's no elements to deal with? Does it feel a little bit more like the Unleash the Beast when you're in a building? Yeah, it, it definitely does because you can bring that whole production um, that you normally don't have at the outdoor stuff. I mean, there's only so much you can do outside when it's sunshine and, yeah. uh, to create that look in that environment, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and so at Glendale, you got, you got all the smoke and lights and fire and booms and bangs during the intro. You got all of that back again, the great sound. And, um, you just got that, that vibe and that feeling back again. Yeah. Back yeah. Maybe it. The bull riders that have been digging that for sure. I think that's one of the biggest draws of the PBR is that production. You know, you're, you know, you're at the top 
when you walk through the back right. door, show your pass and go to the locker room and then enter that arena for that grand opening and national anthem for sure. Yeah, and I've seen it, you know, I, like I get, I always get to sit up there in the booth and watch the intros and stuff. And it, that's the way it feels like to me. Anytime, and, and he's been injured for a little while now, so he's been out, so I ain't got to see him for a while. But like anytime Chase Outlaw gets introduced to me and they're, they're showing a highlight package, it, it feels like a UFC guy coming out to me. Yeah. This little freaking yeah. scrappy dude with all these plates and shit in his face yeah. when I roll in crazy and he's ready to get after it. You know? And it's just, it's just a cool environment that says PBR. Well, in all fairness, Justin, it was kind of like that when you said your name. So, uh, um, if that's how you felt, that's kind of how probably the rest of us felt and Tanner, you know, when he was a kid and, and uh, when your name gets announced, it was the same thing. Like the crowd gets into it or JB Mooney, when they fire that bad to the bone. Right, know, right, right. It's up, right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. It, it, it probably didn't feel, and you know, it did feel to me like that at times, you know, you felt like you were in it. Um, I think it's just different for me now watching it. I, I, I look at it from a different perspective now than when I did when I was competing, I was so, dialed into what I was doing that I didn't really take in much of the surroundings most of the time unless they were dangling me from the rafters or something <laughs> it was getting real yeah uh, yeah good. well uh most people now know you as a commentator on on CBS but I want to go back to the early days to the beginning of of Justin McBride you you grew up a uh, third generation bull rider your grandfather was actually killed riding bulls so how do how does a guy like you um originally from texas then grew up in nebraska right how did you get into the sport um you know for me it was it was probably different than a lot of guys there wasn't there wasn't a lot of it on tv when i was growing up you know um and not that we had a lot of tv selection anyway where i grew up in nebraska there in the sand hills um but it was something like I was always around ranching and stuff. And so like when we would brand from the time I was a little kid, I was getting on calves and just, it was, I just liked it. You know, I liked everything about it. And then when I would get to watch it, um, I had some old videos, I had some old BROs uh, recorded that I'd watch over and over. And um, I just, I just always knew that that's what I wanted to do. You know, I got on, I rode bareback horses too, as a kid. Um, and I probably won more in that event, um, but I always wanted to be a bull rider. That's, that's just what I wanted to do. I wrestled a lot growing up, um, but that was just kind of because I thought it would help me with the bull ride. Um, and, you know, I, I did it like most kids. You know, I went to junior rodeos and little britches rodeos and stuff and uh, thought I was hot stuff when I was 10 years old. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you Open know, I rode a steer the back end, you know. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you, though, I never had any idea that, I would get to do it on the stage that I, that I got to do it on. Um, yep. That was the one thing I didn't know uh, because as a kid growing up, there was no PBR yet. Right. Uh, yep. um, and, and without, um, I don't know the best way, without the mistakes of some people, there would have never been a PBR. There would have still been, it would have still probably been bull riders only. Um, mm -hmm. Cause those things were rocking and rolling pretty good. Uh, like when I was getting into junior high, high school, um, it was the BROs, you know, uh, before that, I thought I would go to the national finals rodeo. Um, right. That was kind of the path that you took, you know? And, and uh, so, so then as the PBR came along, 
um, when I was in high school, I knew hey, that's where, you know, that's where all the guys were. That's yeah. everybody you looked up to. That's where they were at. And uh, if you wanted to call yourself the best bull rider, that's that's where you needed to go. That's where you went. What about before you get to the PBR? I want to go to uh, your college days. You went oh, to you went to, I'll try to remember them. <laughs> <laughs> you went to uh, UNLV, right, Las Vegas. What drew you yep. drew you there? The rodeo team, or exactly? That's okay. that's exactly right. Um, at the high school finals every year, from the time I was a fresh black, it was in Gillette a couple of years and in Pueblo a couple of years, and like my freshman, sophomore year, something like that, I met a guy called, named Ross Coleman. We got to be buddies at the high school finals. And yeah. there was another kid there, a little redheaded kid from Washington named Cody Jesse. Okay. And uh, Cody was a year older than Ross and I, and he went to college at UNLV. Um, there was a guy that had been a few years before us named Zane Davis. Um, Sean Davis' son, he's big working cow horse guy now does great in the horse show world. Um, but he had had a lot of success in college and had kind of put UNLV on the map as, as a college rodeo destination. And uh, so Ross and I both decided that we were going to go there for one year. And uh, it was wild. I ain't going to lie to you. It was, yeah. uh, there were some pretty foggy days. And, uh, what about a private plane? There's something about private planes. I was told. Yes, sir. I, I, I'd be honest with you in college. I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing. Like yeah. without Ross, I would have starved to death in college. Uh, <laughs> there were a handful of college rodeos and they didn't pay much. Um, and uh, Ross and then the guy that owned what was the Gold Coast at the time, says he owns the South Point now, but uh, Mr. Gone, Michael yeah. Gone. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, he was he was kind of one of the rodeo team's big boosters, um, like our practice facility, everything like that was was due to Mr. Gone. That's where we practiced. He, uh, Groundy brought us a stock, he and Kish. And so uh, we had a, we had a great practice facility and good stock to practice on. But, uh, like I had like a 1990 fire red grand am yep. two door grand am <laughs> Pontiac grand am that I drove around and I blew the motor up on it early on in school. I forgot to put oil in it, but, uh, like I had absolutely nothing in college is my point. And yeah. Mr. Gone flew Ross and I, uh, to Fort Worth with him, uh, uh, what was Tufts bull riding back then in Fort Worth PBR bull riding. And uh, we got to, I got a taste of the good life, man. It was, <laughs> it was something. It, yeah. it was pretty unbelievable. I got to stay in the fanciest hotel in Fort Worth and flew in the private jet down there with Mr. Gone. And uh, it was, it was something that I will never forget. Somebody that was, was that nice to me. Like he would let us eat at the gold coast and stuff. And, and uh, he really took care of us. Cause I was, I came from a town of about 450 people in Mullen, yeah. Nebraska. There was one blinking light and I got dropped off in Las Vegas and I had no clue. Hunker <laughs> down. Really. Kid. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. That's exactly. I was 17 years old and figure it out. Uh, and uh, so I've, I'll always be really thankful to Mr. Gone for that. I heard that you were a little bit better at picking your classes on time than, than I, I Ross was. I was a lot was. better at picking my classes than Ross was because here's what happened. I didn't pick my classes. I showed <laughs> up and they gave me my classes. Yeah. And they knew, like my grades coming out of high school, going into college, weren't stellar by any measure. And so 
they gave me classes that <laughs> what I was probably capable of pulling off as a college student. Yeah. Ross, on the other hand, missed it. He was like two, two weeks late getting to college. And the guy told him, <laughs> he's like, hey, we'll set you up with your class. I said, no, 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 I got it. Two, Worst two weeks late. Two weeks late for <laughs> class. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 Ross, like, I said that I wasn't very prepared for college level courses. Ross, damn sure wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and he took some stuff, man. I I have no idea how he stayed eligible that year, but he did. He managed uh, to got through it. Oh, that's good. So you guys obviously have some good times through through those years. How does the path? You got on there fairly young, 20-ish, right, on, on the main tour yeah, of the yeah, PBR? Yeah, I, I think I was still 19, turning 20, maybe. I turned 20 that year, yeah. And was Fort Worth your first event when you ride Hollywood? Uh, that was the first. I got to go with Mr. Gone in 97 to Fort Worth. It was the first one I'd ever been to and got to see. Uh, my first event was in 99 in Bakersfield, California. Okay. Um, that year in, in 99, they had these what they called provisionals. Okay. And it was because I think back then the top 45 guys made the finals. Um, and but the, at these provisionals, these handful of events, they took 60 guys. Okay. And uh, it was kind of like taking 15 alternates pretty much or 10 alternates, whatever. And um, so I got in and I got in as an alternate um, in Bakersfield, California. I'd won like 4,500 that winter in a term pro in Knoxville, Tennessee. And used to the term pros used to be really hard to get into. There weren't that many of them back then. Yeah. And so the when US. they did have one, like everybody and their dog was there. Yeah. Like all the guys were at them. So yep. they were tough to get into and they were tough to win at as well. So um, I got to, anyway, I got to go to Bakersfield and um, is a, just one long round, a short round. I uh, won the long round, rode my short round, or just jumped and kicked the back end, and I won four. And so then I got to go to Odessa the next weekend as an alternate. Um, it was another provisional long round, short round. I rode Panhandle Slim in the long round and Hollywood in the short round. I won that one. <laughs> not bad. So I got <laughs> to go my third week in a row as an alternate to Albuquerque. Yeah. And um, I rode a, a cool little black mulet at the time called Gas Hog in the short round there. Won third at that one. So in three weeks time, I went from having about $150 to my name to about 65,000 that I won. And I had never had, you know, at any one time in my life. Up yeah. Fuck. Point, look out. Yeah. yeah I never yeah. had nothing. And know? still and living so, in Vegas. Were you still in Vegas? Like you college no, or college? I, I'd, over? Left, I'd left college. I'd left college that May when school got out or whatever. Uh, went to work in a gravel pit in Fort Collins, Colorado, crushing rock, yeah. uh, drove I'll over to the college good. finals, was in Rapid City, <laughs> went to college finals, come back to work in that damn gravel pit, and uh, crushed rock until that winter, went to Knoxville, and then then got on tour from there. Never worked another day in your life. Just Not in a gravel pit, that's for <laughs> <laughs> you know, And my boss, is funny, the guy that I worked for in that gravel pit, I grew up with him, he was five, six years older than me. Um, he's a young guy and a uh, hardworking guy and everything. And he's trying to make a go of it. He had just bought this gravel pit and he puts me to work. I had no clue about oh, man. heavy yeah. machinery. So I was driving <laughs> these big ass loaders around all day, screening cobble on these track hoses. I tore up more equipment. It, I, I really felt bad for him 
because yeah. I tore a bunch of shit up. Well, if he'd, have known, if he'd have known the story about your red Grand Am and you not putting oil in it, he probably wouldn't have let you get any. Yeah, any. It's, yeah. I didn't tell him that. I didn't tell him that. Yeah. Yeah. He was a little more of a mechanic than that, so I didn't need yeah. to tell him. So over the, over the next few years, 75, 90-point rides on tour, riding bulls like Chicken on a Chain, Big Bucks, Millennium, Voodoo Child, Locomotive Breath, Hammer, Dr. Proctor, Mudslinger. Um is there any of those that stand out more to you over those years as, as say your greatest ride when you have that many of them, it's probably hard to, to hunker down, but like the voodoo child ride, I remember nobody rode that bull at that time. Same as chicken on a chain. Um, is there any of those that, that stand out to you? And when did you get that confidence? Was it one of those rides on one of those big name bulls that let you believe that you could be a world champion bull rider? You know, I think, I think like at that first event that I won clear back in 99, um, because like Panhandle Slim was the reigning bull of the year when I got on it. Yeah. Um, they rode him sometimes, but not very often. Um, and I rode him in the long run. And then Hollywood was kind of a big old scary one back then. Like he was mean and a lot of guys didn't like him. And I rode both of those that weekend when I was 19 and I was like, man, I can do this, you know? And, and I could at the time, but it took me five, six years to win a world title. And, I, I think I, it wasn't the riding part. It was just learning how to ride every weekend. Yeah. You know, like on those, top like it wasn't, bulls. I could ride, I could ride those rank bulls, but then I would let an 82 pointer buck me off in between. Um, and, and it was just learning that it never got easy. Um, that it never, it never changed. Um, you had to show up every weekend and be ready to compete at that level every weekend. Um, and you know, when you talk about all those great bulls, uh, yeah, all of them mean something different for me. Like, like the voodoo child, ride. That was at the end of my career. I'd been off for almost eight months and I'd never been off eight months since I was four years old from riding something, you know, and, and I came back there and I rode him and I didn't care. You know, I, it just, it just didn't matter to me anymore. And that's when I decided to quit. So okay. I'll always remember Voodoo Child for that reason. Yeah. Um, chicken on a chain. When I got on him, he was a great big, tall, scared to death thing. Big old oh, nervous, big scary motherfucker. You know? Yeah, bro. And uh, I'll always remember that about him. I was like, "Son of a bitch, what are you shaking for?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, uh, you're like seven foot tall and weigh nineteen hundred. Yeah. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, so there's 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 a lot of those mudslinger. I got on mudslinger so many times. I got on him like counting term pros probably six or seven times. Oh no um, shit! Yeah. Yeah, I got on him a ton. Yeah. And uh, he was awesome. You know, he was the kind you were supposed to ride. You were not supposed to uh, hit the ground on mudslinger, and I did about half the time. I mean, he bucked you me did, off to win a world title. Say, what, what was world the title for a world title? What was yeah. your record on him? Um, I think we're about 50%. Um, yeah. if I, I think I got on him six times, if I got on him seven times, I'm going to say I got the edge, (laughs) 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 but I I think we were probably about three and three. I can remember him bucking me off in Guthrie, Oklahoma. The first time they ever brought him, he bucked me off there. And then he bucked me off at a term pro somewhere like in Mississippi somewhere. And then he bucked me off in 03 in the short round at the world finals uh, to win the world title when Shivers won his second one. Um, and those are the only three times I can remember him bucking me off. I remember I rode him um, 
I rode him in Phoenix one year to win that. I rode him um, somewhere up north one time to win it. And like in St. Louis too, I won one on him. So um, every time I rode him, I won the event. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was a cool boy. You were not supposed to buck off of him. If you did, you screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, I got to get on Little Yellow Jacket one time. Um, I never drew him. I was never in the hat or I was in the hat with him a ton of times. I just never drew him. Um, but I did a match with him in Vernal, Utah, one year at a turn pro. Um, and I, I'll never forget. They called me and, and they asked if I would do a match with him, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah. They said, well, don't you want to know what it pays? I said, I do not care what it pays. I will pay you to come get on that little rascal. Yeah, no and, shit. Uh, so that was cool. I was glad I got to get on him. Did he stay on? Um, yeah. Yeah, he, he was the same way. He was like mudslinger to me. You know? he okay. Was, he was one of those world champion bulls that you were supposed to ride. Yeah. Um, now, there's some of them like, you know, that you see over the year, Bones and, and, and Smooth Operator, some of these bulls, like they've they got some stuff to them. And then there's some of them world champs over the years that eh, you were supposed to ride. Oh, shit, eh? What, is there one that kind of stands out to you, like the, the J.B. Bushwhacker situation where you – there was no picking, I guess, in your time, so you never had yeah, that. Yeah, no, the only year I got to pick over. was 08 there yeah. when I came back. Those handful of events, we got to pick them. Yeah. Um, but that that probably would have been the death of me, too, that whole draft thing. My you ego would have fucking went all in. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, My ego would have gone. It would have been, <laughs> been tough for me because the handful of times that I did get to do it, like – I picked Voodoo Child. Um, uh, I picked a bull that actually dislocated my shoulder in Mexico, a bull called Nash. We got Nash. to go along one time. I picked it. So just anything that I had had a little bit of a grudge with, that's what I would pick. And yeah. it didn't always work out in my favor. Like, Cause then when I went to the finals that year, we got to pick a few of those rounds and uh, I, I wasn't really interested in it in the long round type of bulls. And so I'd let Lambert pick them for me. Yep. And I did pretty good, but then when those rank pins would run around, I would I would do the picking and like I picked bones and shit, and he about killed me out there. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my ego at the draft was not good mix. Wipe you out. Oh, that's yeah. good. Okay, um, world title races, epic battles similar to to nowadays of Lockwood and Leme and uh, JB and Silvano. Uh, you and Shivers at the start, and then you and Glaremy. Um, what kind of stands out for you the most from, from those world world championship runs and, and losing it so many times and then finally getting that win? Is there, is there a moment that, that sticks out for you? Um, for me, it was always Grand Rapids, Michigan. When you would, when you'd be right there, you'd be winning the world. And right. it was it three years in a row? You fucking broke, you get punctured. Along, yeah. The, yeah. Like in, like in Oh three with Chris and you know, it, it's, it's cool for me now. Like, back in the middle of it, you know, to talk about it, you, you didn't really care to talk about it and yeah. you couldn't put your finger on it to begin with. And you didn't want to try to uh, either. So like now looking back on it, like I learned a lot from Chris, Chris was only a year or two older than me. Um, and had been on tour a couple of years before I got on tour, but I really learned a lot from him. Um, in all those years that he kicked my ass, <laughs> um, because make no mistake about it. He did. He was hard to beat. He was like trying to what I would imagine trying to beat Lemming today or Lockwood or one of these guys that can just light it up. You yep. know, they they where I don't I don't think that he rode like bull after bull any better than I did. But he could kick my ass on the scoreboard. 
Yeah, he'd be way um, more. He'd be a and he did style him out and yeah, get oh, every point out of him. Yeah, five foot nothing. Um, and so I learned a lot from Chris about just controlling what I could control. Um, and and I hope I hope that Galarmy learned something from me in, yep. in our world title races. Um, I'll, I'll never forget we were in California one time and uh, one of the long rounds. Uh, I got an option for a re-ride and I get on my re-ride and I'm like 87, 88 on this re-ride, placing around whatever. Um, and in that same event, Galarmy gets an option for a re-ride, turns it down, keeps like 79 or 80, whatever it is. So we get to the short round and he's, he, he makes a really good ride. He rides a bull called Crossfire Hurricane. Yeah. A bull of HDs and, and Glaremy made a great ride on it. And I had a bull of Alex Nacarado was called all in this spot. Nobody had ridden him at the time. Um, kind of mean rascal, but just good to ride. Looked to me like anyway. Um, and so Glaremy goes and then I'm next. I'm, I'm just crawling on and he crawls over my chute to get out of the arena. And he's pumped up. Everybody's high-fiving. He made a great ride. And, uh, and I told him, I said, that's a really good ride. I said, but I'm about to kick your ass. <laughs> and he, he just kind of looked at me. And I'm, yeah. I'm literally starting to warm my rope up. He's crawling over my chute. I told him, I said, that's a really good ride, but I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. And, and I hope that he got what I was talking about. Yeah. Because I was going to ride my bull. And, and I don't know if I was going to beat him on points on that particular bull. But I was already 10 points ahead of him coming into it. Right. Go and and I was just trying to get him to understand you're not gonna beat me like that. You're yeah. gonna have to, you're gonna have to put it all out there if if you want to beat me. Um, and so I hope he took some of that. I hope that helped him. I mean, he won a world title the next year, so maybe it did. Yeah, sure, um, sure. but you know, and there were things, and i I hope he he didn't ever think I was picking on him because I wasn't, I wanted him to be better, but like there was a year when, um, if you won an event, you got to pick somebody and you rode against them in the long round, the next event, and the, whoever was the most points, they, some kind of little bonus deal they did. And, okay. and a lot of guys would pick their friends. Um, yep. And when I came back, they were doing this and Galarami was the number one guy and da 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 in 08. And so every time I would pick him and everybody's like, what the hell are you picking that guy for? Yeah. Said, Game well, on, motherfucker. Let's he's the go. best guy in the world right now. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. the number one guy. I said, all these people that come to this event, I mean, they could come to the house and watch me and you ride against each other. Who cares? I would assume they'd want to see the best guy go at it. And um, and it was, a little bit of it was to just show him that, hey, I've just been gone. Yeah, mindset warrior mindset yeah, right yeah. yeah but but you know both of those guys i i really appreciated both of them because i knew how good galarmy was gonna be yeah. um and chris i felt like was a real legend already then and and i was glad to get to learn from him from those butt kickings that he gave me justin you learned a lot from from chris like was it just from watching? Is that what you when you picked up the most from him, or was Chris a, a vocal guy with you? Like no, Chris was not a vocal guy. Right. No. right. No, it was more. It was more by watching, and and just learning that I can't control certain things. I can't control what Chris does. Like in two thousand and one, 
it was me and Ty and Adriano Marais coming down the stretch, really close to win a world title. And I wanted to beat those two guys so bad because I thought, how cool would that be? Adriano Marais and Ty Murray win the world. Yeah, back how old are you? I'll, yeah, I'm, I'm 21. Yeah, right fuck. <laughs> this is wild. <laughs> and I'm thinking, these are my two childhood yeah. heroes, you know? And, and so yeah. to be in the mix with them was awesome. And I wanted to beat them so bad, so bad. And I broke my hand that year. And that's not the reason I didn't beat them. I didn't beat them because they rode way better than I did, <laughs> um, especially at the finals. Okay. Where they rode better than I did. Yep. And, and Adriana was first, the first kind of guy that I realized I've got no control over what he does. All I can control is what I can do. And, mm -hmm. and then when I got to banging heads with Chris and he was so good, he was so hard to beat. He could be so many points. That's when it really hit home for me is that he's going to do what he does. Like I've got to control what I can. That's riding, especially the short rounders. I've got to knock them down, get in yeah. the short round and knock those down. And, and then I've got a chance, you know, but if I'm just wasting my time worried about how good he is, that's, that's not going to cut it. Yeah. yeah. yeah no, wasted energy right there. Wasted energy. Right. So the two of the, we're talking about the rides and bulls that stand out to you. Obviously, camo, um, both your world titles, your last rides were both on camo. Uh, the, the one ride heard around the world, the don't let go ride when you hung off the side of them. Was that just a, like a huge monkey off your shoulders when you, when you stood up and, and all the boys were there just fucking fired up and you knew that yeah. you, you became a world champion? And uh, obviously, probably not the way you wanted to do it, but it, it, it's probably one of the most famous rides to the, not your yeah. best ride, but probably one of the most famous rides ever in PBR history. That'll go down. Yeah. What was that whole? Yeah, it's it's funny, like, because that whole deal. Um, there's multiple things in that. There, like, first, I'll just address in the the world title and like getting that monkey off your back. Um, I had put so much into winning that gold buckle, like mentally. Like, I thought if I can get that buckle that says world champion on it, like, I'll never have another bad day. That literally in my mind, that's what I <laughs> yeah. like I will wake up, the birds will be singing, the sun will be shining from now on. Like, yeah. It will be perfect the rest of my life if I can get that. Um, and then waking up the next morning, I realize that's not the case. <laughs> Shit, but, same. <laughs> but like, that's the way it was to me. And I got so close, so close. And like, I got discouraged kind of about it. And I finally realized I had to let go of that, you know, like that, that can't be all it's about for me is that gold buckle. Like there's gotta be more to it than that. And I realized there was, there was the actual riding part that I loved to do. And, yep. and once I kind of let go of the whole got to get that gold buckle thing, then it's like, they just fell into place. You know, um, when I started just enjoying the process, the actual eight seconds part of it, then, then it got a lot easier to get those two world titles. Um, and then going the, the hanging off the side of camera, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, like that day I knew coming into that last round on Sunday, um, the last long round for the short round, like if certain things played out the way they did, there was a pretty good chance. Um, like if I rode that last bull, some crazy things were going to have to happen for me not to win the world. Okay. And so then once we, I ride my last bowl, we get into the short round. Um, and 
there was one guy in there, the way he finished, it was over. Okay. Like, it was over at that point. Yep. And I knew that. And so when I'm crawling on camo there, like I knew it was over. Like I'd already won. And I told JW and for anybody that knows JW, he is not a mathematician. Neither am I, but I'm way better at math than he is. And so I know, I know in my mind that it's over. I've won it. No matter what happens now, I've won this thing. So I'm crawling over the chutes. JW's pulling my rope. And I told him, I said, I'm a world champion, man. And he thought, he thought, well, you arrogant prick, you know? Not yet. Because he didn't know. Like, nobody oh, knew it that day. Like, everybody's waiting to see who's going to win. It's going to be me or Glaramy or whatever. And uh, so he thinks I'm just being kind of cocky about the whole situation, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's good. So I crawl on him, whatever. And he's kind of bad in the box, whatever. And when I nod, he snapped my head up so bad. uh, It was like, that was really over from about two, three seconds on. Like, cause I was just looking at the lights, but I knew there was like, he was going to have to stomp me off of him. Like at that point. And cause my rope had kind of slid and my knee had buried up behind his shoulder and he wasn't mean at all. Camo wasn't mean. He was just scared to death. So I knew he was just going to keep going away from me. (laughs) I was like, screw it. I'm just, I am going to hang on till he stomps me off of him. And uh, yeah, so it was, it definitely wasn't the best ride I ever made. Probably the worst qualified ride I ever made. But at the same time, (laughs) it was uh, one of the biggest in history. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Two years later, short round, win the world title again, same bull. Yes. Yes. Right. It was the same bull. And I'll tell you the difference that day. The difference that day was I was so mad coming into the short round um, because I had one just embarrass me in the long round okay. that afternoon. Um, I had a bull. I think they called him Black Smoke or something of HD's, kind of a big black muley. And he was really a good bull. I could have won the round on him. Um, but every now and then he would turn out backwards. And like he kind of like, when I, I'll never forget when I, I was just being stupid. When I nodded, <laughs> he kind of looked at the back a little bit. And I thought, yeah, come on. Yeah. And that's a big shot out of there and bucked me off, like cut me in a backflip. And I was so embarrassed and so mad that I, at that point in my career, I got caught being an idiot um, thinking about it. And so when it comes to short round, I didn't give a shit what I had. I, I was, I was going to go stomp something. Stomp and his fucking neck. Yeah. It happened to be camo. And, yeah. and he was terrible in the shoot all the time. Like in 05, I jacked with him and jacked with him and they had a block in there and he would just squat and lay down. And so that year I come back, I get my rope on, they run him in there. I warm it up, take my wrap and I slide up there, nod my, my left leg was still kind of up and he was crouched all down and I nodded and it was, like, you can watch it back. They opened the gate, and he didn't know what the hell to do. Like, he kind of just peeked out. He's like, what the hell? You're not going <laughs> to jack with me? And so he just kind of walked out and then just wound it up, you know, and was was easy, easy yeah. day for him. Yeah, easy 92 or something for you. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> yeah, today I could have been 88 on him. You know? uh, like, he, was, he was just a bull that day. They got a little caught up, and it was a short round of the final. And I was – dinging them off of his shoulders the whole time but yeah. oh yeah uh, <laughs> he's he was just a bull though uh, you're rattling off dates and places like bang 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 from you know 15 20 years ago you had it figured out in your first world title analytically were you always that guy did you always have stuff figured out like that or is that since with your 
roll with the PBR, doing the color, uh, which again, I I think you bring a, a your tremendous asset to the sport with with your views. But is that something that has progressed as you got older, or do you always remember names of bulls, what they did, like just off the top of your head like that? Uh, well, thanks first of all. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's probably progressed some with what I do now. Uh, like, cause riding wise, I kept it very, very simple. Um, like as far as technically, I, I didn't watch a lot of video of stuff. I didn't care to know a whole lot about a bull. Um, now with that being said, I, I definitely loved getting on bulls more than once because I just knew what they felt like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't real analytical about, about bull riding. Um, for me, it was, it was something that I learned early on. Um, like I really looked up to Michael Gaffney before I knew Michael Gaffney. Um, I, I really liked the way he wrote. Um, I really liked the way Jim Sharp wrote. Like there were certain guys, I just tried to take little pieces of what they did and do that. Um, and never stray from it. Like if, if I got bucked off, I never, I used two bull ropes in 10 years. Um, yeah, that's I never, crazy. Yeah. I never, yeah. Cha- I used the same spurs from the time I was 17 years old. Yeah. Like I never changed any of that stuff because I knew, and I, I believed it to my toes that if I got bucked off, it was because one of those handful of things I did wrong. Um, it wasn't my rope or my spurs. I knew it was, it was something that I did. And I also knew, I always knew that I could fix it because I kept it that simple. Like mm-hmm. I kept it down to four or five things. And if one of those went wrong, I knew I could fix that. You know, like, yeah. like if I got raised up, I would always look, well, did my chin come up? Because that's what allowed me to do that. Um, and so, and that's what I took away from razor. Jim Sharp was the king at tucking his chin. And so that's, that's the way I wanted to do it. I, I knew that those things worked. They were proven to work and I just tried to perfect them. Yeah. The way that you're talking about, you keep it simple. You guys, obviously now the, the commentator and stuff, not the, not the bull rider in the arena, but um, the, the JB Mooney style, we had him on the podcast not long ago and just the, the don't give a fuck attitude. I have fun. I do what I want to do. You guys had a lot of those, those days back back in the uh 2000s right um oh yeah right it wasn't (laughs) like um it's different than than today's day and age with 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 lockwood and and cooper davis and these guys night and day right exactly you touched on that a little bit like where where you guys you guys lived the rock and roll side of it and now it's more of the the athlete side of it correct no question no question about it um and that's not to say like we didn't have really good athletes back then. Oh yeah. Myself not being one of them, (laughs) Um, but I'll never forget it. it, We're we're in Denver, Colorado. The Copenhagen finals used to be in Denver every winter. And uh, like we would fly from Worcester, Massachusetts to Denver uh, for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at the Copenhagen finals. And so I'm in the lobby one morning at the hotel there. We all stayed at, and I probably was a little bit hungover. And uh, Adriano comes walking down through there and he's got his gym clothes on and this and that. And uh, he says, why don't you get up and come to the gym with me? I said, buddy, 
All I got to do is eat twice a day, make myself eat twice a day, and I'll kick your old ass. <laughs> that was just kind of the mindset, though. You know, yeah. like, because that was for me, that, that really was a thing. Like, I had to make myself eat. Um, otherwise, I would, I would get way too skinny. I would get way too gay, you know, oh, uh, because I would run pretty hard. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> you uh, yeah, good time. I don't know if you're much for social media, Justin, but just this past week, there was a post I, I uh, reposted on Instagram, and it's a quote from JB. It says, in 2008, you'd get off your bull and go back to the locker room, and the coolers were plumb full of beer. You'd drink beer, smoke cigarettes, and have fun. Now there's no beer. You can't smoke cigarettes, and there's a guy over there doing yoga. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it is different you know it, it is uh, like for me uh, i i would <laughs> i would do such stupid stuff uh that when i got to the bull riding always held myself really accountable yeah. uh, if i was gonna act that stupid all night then i knew i better show up and give it everything that i had um and i don't know i don't know if that's the same um, I, I know it is with a handful of guys, but I don't know if it is with all of the guys, you know, they, they spend so much time, um, getting in great shape, which they, which they are in, I mean, they're, they're little chiseled up, great little athletes in great shape. Um, but sometimes you just gotta be tough, you know, like, yeah, sometimes you right. just yeah. gotta get the job done. You've yeah. gotta be a cowboy and get the job done. Um, and, and there's, I think all the working out stuff is really, really good if it's for that reason. Yeah. You know, um, some guys, and it's been clear back in my day too, there were guys that they would get really into working out um, and get really into their muscles and themselves. And it had nothing to do with bull ride. Yeah. Um, so I, I think if you're using it and channel it to bull riding and making yourself tougher while you're in there, then it's, it's a great thing. Um, and also the, the social media, y'all mentioned that, that we didn't have to deal with that because <laughs> it would have been a nightmare, man. Yeah. Uh, it would have been really, really bad. Uh, we'd have been in a lot of trouble. Uh, like the, the, <laughs> I can't imagine what it would have been like. It, it would have been bad. Yeah. It would have been really bad. They would have, they would have kicked us been off been some every in social media platform out there. Right some incriminating evidence against you for sure yeah no doubt yeah is it true is it true um that back when the finals used to be two weekends so for those that don't know that the, the world finals was spread out over two weekends uh you're going for a world title you buck off most of them the first weekend oh no not most of them i bucked off all three of them in 07 <laughs> all three of them I can understand it. Nowadays, you wouldn't understand it, but you gotta you gotta refresh your mind, get your shit together, and fucking come back strong. Is it true you just locked yourself in a hotel room with a bunch of beers and your guitar and, and had nobody around you and just got back to what you needed to do and showed up that you next know, there, weekend and won the whole thing? Yes, there is a lot of truth to that, and I wish it would have stopped there <laughs> <laughs> because I unlocked that door one night. <laughs> yeah, yeah no <laughs> it, it was bad i had this i had this ball cap i'll never forget this stupid ball cap this buddy of mine in nashville gave me and it said cma and there's a thing called the cma awards right country yeah. music awards 
<laughs> it said CMAs, country music, my ass. And I wore that <laughs> around. I wore that around. I went to the, there was where we were staying at Mandalay Bay there. There was this really fancy glasses store. Like, and I bought these Prada non-prescription little <laughs> dorky glasses and I put them on and I had this ball cap on and they had a, they had a big bull cell. And I went to this bull cell and I bought a bull. And <laughs> I don't know what all. I did a bunch of really <laughs> stupid stuff that night, that one night. Uh, but yeah, come come the next, uh, what would it have been? Like on Thursday, they started back up. I, I, I threw that ball cap and those glasses away and was ready to go. Game on. Yeah, it cleared the mind and got back to it. Yeah, yeah. Does the, does yeah. the scene of the crash ride the, for 200K – uh, a couple things on it. Does it stand out to you as, as a huge moment in your career? And how did that come about? Was that through Tom Teague or was that PBR? How did that? Yeah, that was, that was the, that was some sponsorship deal that year. Um, there was a sponsor like alpha trade or something was a sponsor then. And so they set this deal up. Whoever after the last event was the world standings leader would get on a bull that the fans had picked. And they gave them like five bulls to pick from. Um, so it was, it was like chicken on a chain, voodoo child, scene of the crash. Um, maybe one other one in there and everything in there that they could choose from. I had ridden before except scene of the crash. Okay. And uh, I'd been on him one time and he douched me a couple of years earlier. And so I was, I was really hoping um, that it would be scene of the crash. Um, and when they announced, they announced it, that that's what it was going to be. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, because I knew, like, I knew, I knew there was no way that bull could buck me off. And uh, those other ones, like, it's touch and go the times I did ride them. Uh, I didn't ride seeing the crash, but, but I just knew I could. And uh, so, yeah, I was pumped when, when I had that bull. Um, I got to get on him three times in my career. Uh, the time he bucked me off that time. And then one of the last ones I got on at the finals was him. Yeah. I wrote um, him again. Right. Yeah. 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 But a good, I mean, a good boy. It always give you a big look to the right and then around to the left had just enough forward to him that you better get up there and do your stuff. Yeah. No shit. So you talk about your world titles as well. And then you talk about how we did a, a podcast with Cowboy Cerrone here not too long ago. And he talked about how, He's kind of had some hell lately because it's hard to be hungry when you're already full. Would that be a quote that sticks out for you after you win those world titles? The kind of the Cooper Davis syndrome where, where you've, you've won what you wanted to win. Now what the fuck am I supposed to do type of thing? Is that kind of where you were at at different points of your career and at the end of it? Um, yeah, at the end of it, I was full. So I quit. Yep. Um, I, I would relay that because that, I've never heard anybody say it as well as, as what Cowboy did there. That's, I mean, that's, that sums it up perfectly in my mind. And so like after I quit in 08, whatever year was the first year they did the American, um, they called me about the yeah. exemption in the bull riding. And I would, I would definitely use it for that. Um, because like, I mean, yeah, it was a chance at a million bucks and that's the only reason I did it. Right. But like, I didn't care about riding bulls no more than I had my family. I had everything I wanted. Um, and so, and, and that's why I sucked too. Like, I mean, that's why airtime handed me my ass um, is because I was in no position 
um, it was it was rather uh, arrogant of me to even think that, oh, yeah, you haven't ridden bulls for four or five years and you're going to go crawl on. And at the time, nobody knew what the, the air time was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, but to think that you could just go right back in and mix it up with guys that do it every day. Yeah. It was just because of the million. It wasn't because you were missing it or wanting, thinking no. about coming back. No. Anything like that. It was just a million, <laughs> million fucking was, dollars I'm coming. It was, it was like going and buying a lottery ticket for me. Yeah. But it was the exact same scenario. Yeah. Well, I'm really you glad you did I it because I got to share a locker room with you that, <laughs> that weekend. And I was like, holy fuck, man, here we go. Yeah. Just a big pride. Like, like that, you know, you, you're a young guy that's doing it every day, like craving it. Yeah. I'm an old and I wasn't that old at the time, but I was damn sure older and I hadn't thought about riding a bull. And since the day I walked out of the Thomas and Mac, you yep. know, like that, that, that was uh, to call that a long shot would be a overstatement or an understatement. Yep. What about your birthday one year when uh, a writer from men's health journal came out to interview you and, and all the boys might've happened to have been there. What, what's that one? <laughs> Englishman, this Englishman comes out. Hey, I, I was good to this guy too. I'm not shitting. <laughs> hey, and I told Tony Garitano was my agent back then. Ross and I's agent both. And I told Tony. He calls. He's like, "Hey, PBR is wanting to send this rider out. Da da da. It's a big." Back then, there weren't a lot of big press-related opportunities. So when they got one, it was a big deal. You know? Yeah, and so Tony's like, "Hey, they want to send this writer out from Men's Journal, and da 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 da." I didn't know what the hell Men's Journal was anyway, but uh, he's like, "It's a big deal. You need to, you know, you need to do a good job." And I'm like, well, "That's fine and all, but <laughs> that's my birthday, and like everybody's already scheduled to be here." Like, so he's like, "No, it's cool. That's fine. He'll like that. You know, he can talk to Ross, some of the other guys. <laughs> all right, good luck." <laughs> <laughs> so so the guy gets in early that day i take him fishing all day i mean i tell him everything he needs to know all day long and so by the time all the boys get in i'm thinking all right we're done right yeah, yeah, yeah. and i told him i'm like so we're good now we're gonna we're gonna have some fun tonight you ready you know he's like oh yeah can't wait to meet everybody i said but now hey you put that notebook away no problem oh god it was not good <laughs> it was not good he did not put that notebook away or that little recorder uh, uh, so but i mean we had a we had a large time and i'll tell you what it, it wasn't that it wasn't good it's just at that time in the pbr they weren't used to articles like that yeah um it it was more of a kind of a no holds bar what actually went on uh yeah. type of an article and um they weren't ready for that just yet. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were a little more used to at that time, just kind of the puff pieces, like what a, what an in-house announcer would say about you when you're getting on, you know, yeah. they were used to that kind of stuff. He's a great guy. Da, 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 yeah. da, da. They were used to those kind of articles. And this was not that kind of article. Not that one. We have to dig that one up. That sounds yeah, like yeah, that's fun. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> like like now in hindsight, it probably like I said, it probably wasn't all that juicy, but at the yeah. time it was it was pretty scandalous. Randy, <laughs> Randy Bernard was not very happy. Yeah, <laughs> no shit. So then you, you you finish up from from riding bulls and 
hit the hit the country music scene hit the tour oh boy huh what was <laughs> it? three albums uh like a successful country music career in my opinion i know i loved you when i was a fucking kid and i know <laughs> did, right but you toured full-fledged a bus and, and hit the road right oh, yeah man i was living the life i tell you yeah it was it was fun yeah i will say that i had a barrel load of fun doing it um and it it really got blown out of proportion um like i just like sitting around the motel with my buddies you know and stuff and um I really have led kind of a force gump type of life where I've just stumbled from one thing into another. And you're like, how in the hell did I get here? Yeah. Um, like I was in Italy one time and literally met the Pope pretty much. <laughs> I just had some crazy things happen. You know, I played on the grand old Opry twice. Like, nice. What the hell? Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I, I got to do some really cool stuff. Um, and, I got to be around some great musicians. Um, I was, I was a little bit too wild at the time, probably to really appreciate it at the time. Um, but looking back on it, uh, the things I can remember about it, uh, I got to be around some really, really good musicians. Yeah. Like who, uh, Daryl, I seen you were, did a bunch with Daryl, uh, Singletary. Yep, Singletary. Passed on now, but Singletary and Singletary is one of the, uh, one of the greatest country singers of his generation, you yeah. know, like he was a true country singer. Um, and that's why I loved him so much. It's probably what held him back from continuing to be a huge, huge star um, because he had some hits in the early two thousands and stuff. Um, but he would not, he would not change what he was. Right? Okay. Yep. He was not going to sing certain types of music. He, he wasn't going to add no bells and whistles to the band. He, he wasn't going to rap. You know what I mean? Like he was a traditional country music singer. Um, and I really respected that about him because he could really sing. Um, he could really, really sing. But like all of my band um, was Tracy Bird's band. Yeah. And I would cool. do subs. They were Mark Chestnut subs. Um, Randy Travis's bass player came out with me. Like I had Damn. Dwight Yoakam's steel guitar player. Like it was insane. <laughs> the guys that I got to play with, you know, and, and they had fun because, because it was just like a free for all with me. Like, yeah, fucking let's roll. Yeah. Like there was no, there was no rules. There was no, it was no holds barred. And yeah. they were like, holy shit. Cause they were used to, those big acts and those big shows, you know, the, the band is kind of secondary. Um, they're, you know, they get paid a certain wage and they go and do their job. And, and then there's the big star, you know, the singer. Uh, it wasn't that way with me. Like we, we went and did stuff together and, and, yeah. and we had a big time all the time. You the know? Boys. Uh, and so I hope they had fun. Uh, I'm pretty sure they did. But yeah, the buses, we do the whole bus thing. Cause I thought, how great is this, man? I can just get on here. Somebody will drive me around all night. I can drink and raise hell all night long and can't get in any trouble. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Did you have an agent or were you signed with, with a record company or who were you with? You know, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> uh, like, I'm probably the worst. I'm probably the worst. Uh, country music act in the history of country music acts because <laughs> there was there was some times where like 
these labels would want to do stuff. And I was like, hell no, I'm not doing that, you know, because I knew um, deep down that the only reason that they wanted to do anything with me was because they could get into the bull riding world, okay, um, you know, and tap in to stuff that I could do by myself, you know, yep. like I didn't need to give them a piece of that pie. Okay. Um, and I didn't need them to tell me how to dress or what songs to sing or anything like that. I, now, maybe I could have had a way more successful career if I would have done those things, but I've already had a successful career. You know, I, I wasn't out to, to try and remake myself or be something that, that I wasn't, you know, yep. I wanted to, I wanted to drink beer and whiskey and bang on my guitar and sing songs that I liked, you know, to, to people that I knew understood what they were about. Yeah. Oh, I respect well, you're, that. You're, you know what, guys? Does that not sound like a previous guest echoing Kobe? Kobe, yeah, Kobe H. Yeah. Had to say that. just, yeah. That's not me. I did. I wasn't. That wasn't going to be me. I wasn't going to wear this flowered shirt and do this stupid shit. You know. And he made it clear that wasn't yeah, his and, style. And you know, that's. I think that's that's because of doing something previous. You know, a lot of a lot of young men and women that are want to be country music stars, they got to jump through the hoops, you know, if they want to get to that level. Um, uh, fortunately, I didn't have to, I could, I could go rent my own bus and go. I really think that's a result of uh, in this industry, you know, growing up, rodeoing and then producing pbr events but uh scott can attest to this and you will too justin and tanner we we lived a pretty selfish lifestyle you know we did what we wanted when we wanted uh with no regard to what our family might have thought we were putting ourselves in front of as far as harm's way um which i want to touch on this with your family um i know you won a lot of awards your wife jill was the sharon shoulders award winner back uh what 2018 is that correct yeah i think so so for you was was that an honor for you justin like were you pretty proud of that award given to your wife uh yes <laughs> uh that, that was a big deal um just just because like like my wife's not into really being in the limelight or anything never has been um, I've known her since I was 11 years old. Um, obviously, we hadn't been married that long, but uh, <laughs> like we we went to grade school and stuff together. Um, okay. So I've I've known her a, a long, long time from the time we were little kids, and and to know <laughs> everything that that I've put her through um, throughout uh, our 15 years of marital bliss, uh, that was. Uh, that was a very well-deserved um, reward. And I know she doesn't relish in the limelight or anything. Um, she's always been just fine. Me being the idiot out there. Um, that was, uh, that was a really cool thing for me to, for me to see her get recognized that night, yeah. you know, because yeah. you talk about, you talk about selfish. There's, <laughs> there's mm. nobody that can ring that bell like me. And uh <laughs> Uh, it was, it, it was from, from the time I came out of the womb until, you know, till 
really the last handful of years with my with my kids and stuff. Um, it was all about numero uno um, all yeah. the time, and and it's got to be you, you know to to get to certain levels and things you do have to have a pretty one track mind about it. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad now that I don't have that kind of mindset uh, about anything other than like my kids anymore. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's uh, it's been a, it's been a fun transition, you know, like, like all the, the crazy things that we're talking about and, and stuff to have, somehow survived through all of that um and to come out on this side of it yeah uh has been has been has been pretty fun it is crazy though you're exactly right and sometimes i i look back now that i've retired and whatever i'm thinking why the hell did she even stick around right right because right. i know yeah, i wouldn't know i wouldn't know no question right? no i still wonder that today I still, I still, <laughs> this morning <laughs> i woke up inside the cabin here yeah. yeah yeah every morning when you roll over oh yeah yep. she's still here <laughs> yeah right right yeah. <laughs> okay well we've held you for a long time here and i got papers and papers i could keep you for four days but uh scott has our, our infamous question for you for the podcast man it was good listening to you today and uh i sure enjoy your commentary uh on cbs uh, i think you jason said it earlier you, you bring a new element to it and to have that uh, knowledge and that your mindset for the average person sitting home, it makes it so much better to understand the sport. And I definitely know uh, the PBR gains fans because of you. Oh, with thank that, you very much. With that being said, it is the hashtag NFP podcast. Now we know what that term stands for in our books. What does it mean to you? To me and, and to me, even beyond bull riding, um, to me and just life in general, it's getting the job done. That that's to me. Um, and that's, that's whether that means shaking somebody's hand and then doing what you shook on, um, uh, whether it means gritting it out that last second, riding your bull, or, you know, if you're whatever, a single mom or a single dad taking care of your kids, whatever it is, it means getting it done. That's, that's what it means to me. Badass. That's like a good it. one. Yeah, like I like that. I got one more for you before we finish it up. Uh, Cody Lambert always gets brought up on our podcast. Everybody has their story of, of a Cody Lambert story. <laughs> You're really, really close with Cody, one of his best friends. So do you have a, a Cody Lambert story that sticks out in your mind or maybe the first time you met him uh, type of story or, or just give us a little bit of insight on, on the man he is? You know what, uh, Lambert? Whew, that's a that's a deep topic, you know, uh, because because a lot of people know him and see him and and uh, like I was I was kind of scared to death of him when I was nineteen. Like I thought he was the grouchiest, meanest guy that there was. And then um, so I always knew him, being at the bull ridings and stuff, and and always was friendly with him. You know, like we weren't best buddies or anything, but we were friends. Um, but it was really when I was kind of transitioning at the end of my career, like is when I really started getting to know Lambert good because I would be up at three, four in the morning <laughs> wasted and I'd call him. I'd call him every weekend. <laughs> I'd call him every weekend. And I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. He always answered his phone. No shit. Always. Huh? And um, I talked to him for an hour. I'd just be <laughs> drunk, rambling and shit. 
and he would he would take it every time and all the times when I was out playing music because uh, that was really probably the the wildest craziest time of my life was when I music quit time? Bowl. yeah oh yeah totally. wow there was never nothing to scare me back straight just rock and roll right yeah, yeah right. like the bull ride you know always knew hey you got to be right tomorrow you know so at some point I would straighten up and and fly right um long enough to to get my job done the music man it was there was never nothing to scare me back to center so I just stayed out there for a few years you know and <laughs> and, and and Lambert he never gave up on me you know like like uh, he's he's uh it's kind of weird because our age difference is is quite a lot like he's got a son closer to my age than what i am to his age um so I, he's like almost this old uncle to me that that is a good good friend you know and 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 we can have fun and joke around but when things the real stuff when you get right down to the real stuff there there's nobody um that's ever been any more solid to me than than lambert yeah Oh, that's badass. I got one more question. Sorry. And, and I just want to, I've been dying to ask you this. Um, I had the opportunity to work with Craig Hummer uh, three or four years ago at East uh, at, a, at a PBR event. And I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I was shitting my pants when that guy walked in the room. You know, he's just got a presence about him. He knows his stuff. He knows what he's doing. And within five minutes of sitting up in that booth and, and working with him, like that guy was, he was awesome to work with. He made you feel good. He added to what you might've said or whatever. Um, when you transitioned into that, um, was it, was it nerve wracking at the start and it's just gotten kind of better as it went uh, because of him or just because of you doing it all the time? Well, I'll tell you this, it wasn't nerve wracking at the start because I was still drinking. <laughs> 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 but no in all seriousness i am serious about that but uh, hummer yeah hummer hummer man is a is a great dude um and i've learned so much from him um doing the tv stuff like because he always helps me because i ask him stuff a lot and yeah. i'm sure there's times that i ask him some really dumb stuff but he never makes it seem that way yeah um, and he's always been willing to help me um, the thing that he's probably helped me with the most is knowing that I know what I'm talking about on the bull riding side. Like yeah, yeah. I don't have to be some perfect TV guy. That's his job. Mm -hmm. Um, and he spent years honing that craft. Um, I've got to be great at what I know how to do. And that is the bull riding. Um, and so I think that's really what, allowed me to be comfortable doing it is because I know he's going to take all that heat and pressure off of me on when we're getting to break, when this is happening, when's that time. Right. I don't ever have to worry about none of yeah. that. All I get, I mean, I got the sweetest job in the world. I yeah. just have to set up there for a couple hours and talk about great bull riding. I mean, it, yeah. you know, if, if I wasn't doing that, I'm what I'm actually capable of doing is running a weed eater so I, i'm really fortunate to get to do that you know that's what i'm qualified for is running a weed eater and i still have hell putting the cord in so <laughs> we all do, I'm, I'm really lucky that uh, we all do we all was do. it was it something that you were pursuing 
out of your music career or was it something you were approached with uh, that could just kind of did the Forrest yeah. Gump fell into again? Yeah, no, it, it's not something that I really was pursuing at all. It's, it's something though that I had been groomed for, I would say. Mm -hmm. okay. um, Cause like when I was riding anytime I would get hurt, our producer back then is a guy named Joe Lavera. And um, anytime I would get hurt or this or that, he would have me in the booth. Um, he'd have me in the booth for a segment or whatever. He would always, he would always have me in there and just kind of easing me along so that when I did quit, um, he could throw me in there. Um, right. and it took, it took a handful of years, you know, I, I did it from the time I quit. Um, but it wasn't until a few years after that I started doing it more and more. Like I would do a handful of events a, a, a year. And to be honest with you, I, I really probably wasn't very good at it because I wasn't removed far enough away. Like I couldn't take myself out of the equation right. a lot of the times. Um, and that's, that's not a good thing. Like uh, my ego was still a little too big to be trying to talk about it. Like, like okay. now I'm able to, or I feel like it anyway, I'm able to look at it from kind of a 30,000 foot above. Um, right. And I don't interject myself into, or I try not to. I mean, I give examples of if that happened to me or something like that, but I don't, I try to take myself out of, oh, I yeah, think I could that bull type take, of deal, you know? Yeah, take yeah. the eye out of team. There's no eye. Yeah. yeah, that's gold. Yeah, okay. that's awesome, man. Okay, you guys, you broadcasters got your broadcasting questions out of the way. Yeah, we're good. Uh, we're good. <laughs> you learned what you needed. If you're like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, we all got we all got a little bit of that. We got the bull riding, we got the music, we got the broadcast, and that was that was pure gold and uh, pretty much sums me up, man. A, yeah. I appreciate you and I appreciate everything over the years and, and just getting to watch you and learn from you and try to emulate uh, my career after you. I didn't take the eye out of this conversation right here, right now, but I just wanted to let you know from no man, from I myself, it, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. Your whole family, buddy. Yeah. Hey, no, Y'all yeah. are salt of the earth up there, man. That's awesome. Well, we look forward to, to tuning in every week and, and watching you on, on CBS and CBS sports network and uh, hearing what you have to say about the guys. And we appreciate you being on the NFP podcast presented by 3d entertainment. Hey, thanks fellas. I appreciate it. Small time Billy to big time Bobby From three day old chili to sake